Welcome to another episode of Teen Gen Talks hosted by me, Melissa. And me, Desiree. Where the goal is to empower the youth of Glendale and connect youth to community resources, individuals, and organizations through interviews and discussions. And today we are joined by a special guest, Meryl Flesher. Meryl is the program supervisor at Glendale Library Arts and Culture. She obtained a BA in theater at Bradford College and later began her career as the operations assistant at the New Victory Theater in New York City. She has worked with the UX tours of Camp Broadway and Bravo's networks on with the show. Arts education programs that brought Broadway performers to teach theater arts in towns across America as well as has held artistic programming positions with the Getty Center, U.S. Davis, and the Mondavi Center of Performing Arts. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at LAC. Don't forget to also follow us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to our podcast from at Teen Gen Talks. Also make sure to give us a like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Glendale Library Arts and Culture, where we post full videos every Friday at 4.30 p.m. Thank you, Meryl, for taking the time out of your day to talk with us. We have a lot to discuss. So let's go back in time for a bit. You grew up in Connecticut and attended a performing arts high school and later went to Bradford College where you obtained a BA in theater. So it seems like the arts have always been a part of your life. Uh, What about the arts drew you into it? Yeah, I grew up in a really small town in Connecticut that was sort of a farming town. And so I found an arts magnet program that um, allowed me to do my regular coursework in my small town. And then I traveled to Hartford to do um, my classes in theater, dance and music. I think I was just always intrigued by the light bulb that goes on when you see a really cool art piece. And it makes you think about different things that you hadn't considered before, like different people's stories different perspectives. And I had that experience, probably the first musical that I saw. And so I sort of knew then that I always wanted to pursue that. So I started at a young age, I started in high school and really started to pursue that career path for myself. What was your first um, musical that you saw that you would- Cats! Cats! It's so funny because that movie, as we all know, got a lot of press. And I took my two small children to see it and we were the only ones in the theater, but they loved it. And they loved it because I was excited about it. And I was sharing that enthusiasm of seeing the Broadway musical for the first time. And I knew all the songs. And so they had a very different viewing experience than maybe many others, but (laughs) yeah, it was was that same shared love of like, this is what it's all about. (laughs) (laughs) So um, initially you pursued, a career in theater administration, beginning as an operations assistant at the New York Victory Theater in New York City. How was that transition for you going to New York City? Oh, wow. Yeah, that was um, that was exciting. I was 21. I had just graduated from college and I moved to the Big Apple. Growing up in Connecticut, it's two hours away. But when you grow up in a small town, it felt miles, miles, miles away. Um, I didn't know anybody there except my cousin was in theater at the time. She actually was uh, 17 when she went out on the road with musicals and had been performing in Broadway. And she was able to secure me an apartment, not with her. So I was really on my own, but I I knew she was there. Um, But that was really just sort of like this journey for me. And it was hard. It's a very hard city to start out in, especially in theater, Um, but I just, I found my way. And I think a lot of what I did was just making friends along the way, you know, asking questions and 
Um, there was a period of time in New York for me that was really hard and I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay. And I sort of vowed to myself, you know, go through the next six months saying yes to whatever invites you get. So like a play, a party, you know, whatever it was, like, just say yes. Like, what do you have to lose? And that sort of changed the tide for me. I actually met my husband during that period. So (laughs) you never know what will happen. But I think it was like sort of changing that perspective for me of the city is throwing a lot of obstacles your way. Just try to like roll with it. Try to like see what happens if you just like ride the wave and say yes and go along with it. And, And then I just started going out to all these shows and meeting all these new people and just exploring this like amazing city. And then also on the weekends, I would do that. I would challenge myself. I would like find one coffee shop that I'd read about or uh, art installation or some cool thing. And then I would have to sort of figure out the subway system to get there. So that was like little personal challenges I did to just sort of like embrace the city as a whole. And you honed your skills of team building and logistics as a company manager of the US tours of Camp Broadway and Bravo's network on the on with the show. What was that experience like? Yeah, so I, I was working at the New Victory Theater in operations, which was an amazing first job because you are a hub position. You really have to learn every aspect of the theater to get people what they need, you know, as far as just from the ground up electronics and, and also all the scheduling and logistics of the theater itself all the wheels that turn in a theater company. And I love that. But after two years, I thought, you know, I'm in my early 20s. I'm single. I want to explore more. I want to see more of the world. And I had known, you know, obviously there's a huge touring factor of theater. So um, I've been looking at company manager positions, which are very similar to what I was doing, but they're um, a little bit more focused on both like the people that are working in the company, as well as all of the logistics, you have to have a good brain for thinking two to three cities ahead while dealing with the problems of the city that you're currently in and just day-to-day like negotiations and problem solving. And so I got this great position with um, Camp Broadway, which is a national tour. It's an arts education program where they take Broadway performers And they bring them out on the road around the U.S. Probably they probably have more cities now. When I was doing, I think it was seven or eight cities. And they do a one week long camp for kids like nine to 17 years old. And so it's for theater loving kids and they get to work with Broadway stars. So you get to have like a master class with somebody who's in the Lion King, you know, and, and work all day with these Broadway stars. And at the end of the week, they would put on a half hour mini musical for friends and family. So it was really cool. And we would do these in the historic theaters around the U.S., whichever city we were in. So it wasn't like, oh, we're just going to like do this in like some rec hall somewhere. It was like Fox Theater in Atlanta. You know, these teenagers are performing there. So um, that was a really cool experience. And for me, I got to see so much of the country while I got paid for it. Like win-win, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I encourage anybody who even has an interest in travel, like try to find like, you know, a role within your career choice that allows you to do that. Like, even if it's just for a small time and you never know where that's going to lead. So for me, um, while I was out on the road, Camp Broadway had gotten their first invite for um, Macy's National Thanksgiving Day Parade and to actually put together a whole float and performance for Macy's. And so they asked me to stay on and company manage that. So that was 200 dancing kids 
on a massive steamboat flow in Times, or not Times Square, but Macy's Herald Square. And then, um, so we rehearsed for months for that. And we did it with a cast of a popular TV show at the time called American Bandstand with Joey Lawrence. I don't know if you remember that, might be before <laughs> your time. Um, and then right before, like two nights before Thanksgiving, they realized like, okay, Meryl's been working with all of the kids, but like, what is she doing <laughs> when we're actually dancing? Like, how is she still with everybody? So they threw me into costume and got me dressed up like the rest of the cast. Oh Luckily, I've been watching on the rehearsals, so I knew the dance number. So I just performed with the kids at Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Um, but that was a cool experience. And that was something that I had not been planning. It was just sort of like being in the right place at the right time, knowing all the players, like asking the right questions and being ready for it. So, so talking about the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, <laughs> what was the hardest part about it all? The logistics of it. I mean, anytime you're working with a large number of, of students and, and especially young children, um, that is really hard. There's a lot of responsibility there. We were moving through the city. When you get closer to the parade date, because there are so many large groups that have to rehearse, you literally will be offsite at a rehearsal studio, maybe 10 blocks away. And then you have to move your entire group down to 34th street, which is not always easy on a subway. You don't want to do that with a bunch of people. So we would literally be walking them down the street to get them to the rehearsal. And then, you know, you have to have, make sure your staff all has their charges and that everybody is accounted for. Um, the choreography comes together fairly easily. You work in groups and then bring it all together for a big dance number. Um, and then you get one shot to rehearse it the night before. So that's it. Like, you know, you have this one moment and that's going to be it. And then you never know what the weather is going to be. So you show up on Thanksgiving morning, you have to get there about 4am to get in line, uh, with all the floats and it's cold and it's dark. <laughs> everybody's hungry. So, you know, you have to sort of be ready for all that stuff. And then you have to sort of wait as you go along the route and still keep everybody's energy up so that by the time you get there, you're ready to go. <laughs> so lots of little things and things that I didn't really know, but we just sort of had to figure out as we went along. But I think that's sort of the name of the game of working in the performing arts. So from being company manager to then holding various artistic programming positions at different locations, one being the Getty Center, <laughs> What did you take from your previous role to the other roles that helped you acclimate better to whatever new position or place you arrived at? Yeah, I mean, I think overall, I just tried to be really flexible and flexible in my mindset and sort of how I approach things. You, you're always working with different teams, but especially in the arts, you work with a lot of different personalities and some, a lot of different egos. And so you learn very quickly to figure out what's important for everybody to get to the same goal. Usually people just want to look good in their position. So if you're in a position that you can support that, that's what's important, you know, and that's what will make you shine in your role. Um, I think sort of figuring out moving to different size institutions has been interesting for me, you know, going from 
Camp Broadway to something like the Getty, where the Getty operates almost as its own city. You know, I, I, living in Los Angeles, they always say when you're in training as a staff member at the Getty, that's one of the safest places to be if you ever have an earthquake, because they have this whole infrastructure set up and they have this whole security system and it's and it all operates that, that way. So you have to sort of learn how to work within that framework. But again, I think those lessons that I sort of taught myself in New York about just making friends wherever you go. So I would just ask people their names from, you know, anybody, you know, janitorial staff, people parking who are in the parking structure, you know, and introduce myself. And that way they always knew me. I always knew them. And it just helps you in your job. You know, part of that is just my personality, but I also realized it was very strategic because um, working in performances, I was often the last person in the building. So I always wanted people to know like, Hey, I'm here still. And I also wanted to know who was there and who could help me if I needed help, you know, even just in your daily job. So, um, that's been a really big thing for me. And that's sort of like carried throughout my life that I, I often will just sort of introduce myself and ask people who they are and find out what they do. And you never know what you're going to find out. You know, you, you might find out like the next, connection that's going to help you along your way or the next connection that's just going to be impactful in your day. You don't know. So you also oversaw the artist department of the LA Philharmonic at the Walt Disney Concert Hall and the Hollywood Bowl. If you could talk a little bit more about that experience. So that was um, a really big part of my life. Um, you know, I started that position right as the city and the LA Phil was onboarding Gustavo Dudamel, who has become a fixture in our city um, and has headed up the LA Phil since 2009 as the music director. And so they were going through a change themselves, figuring out what their identity was under his leadership. And um, that was really an amazing position for me to be able to sort of step into my role and figure out like how to build the team I needed to make, make the things happen that we wanted to make happen collectively as a team and as an organization. And um, you work really hard there. I mean, the performances go year round. You start in the Walt Disney Concert Hall, usually in the fall, and the season goes all the way to the spring. There's a brief period where it's semi-quiet, but then we just simply move over to the Hollywood Bowl and pick up the summer performances there. So you never really stop. And we were the only office, the artist department, we physically moved our office to the Hollywood Bowl every summer because um, it was just easier because you're there so often. So, I mean, that was, again, like it was a good time in my life. It was like, you know, before I had children and I was just really able to like run with it and put in the time and the energy and the love into that job that it deserved. And um, those were amazing years, sort of just onboarding with Gustavo and meeting some of the most amazing people in classical music, um, watching interesting connections happen backstage organically, you know, and just seeing people meet for the first time. I was also very privileged in that position. Um, a lot of what I did was I was the point person for the, um, the guest artists who were there, the guest conductors and the soloists. And so I would be the first person that they would see when they came off stage. I sort of walked them to the stage and I stayed there on stage right through their performance. But when they came off stage, I was the first person they would see. So I sort of, I watched a lot of like instant reactions to their own performance, which was just sort of interesting to see and, and watching creative minds work and sort of how they, how they, you know, deal with their own stresses and how they deal with their own accomplishments. And um, it was just a fascinating position. And like I said, it was well-timed for where I was in my life. 
And having the skills to communicate and network are big components in each role that you have had during your career. So how did you hone in on having those strong skills? And if you have any tips? Um, Listening skills are important. I think, you know, I'm somebody that grew up, I don't know if this is just being female, but I just, I sort of grew up a little timid about raising my hand in class. I always thought people knew more than me. I always thought that maybe I wasn't offering anything new to the conversation. And it took me a while to sort of hone that. But I think also in honing that, I ended up listening a lot more and realizing like, no, my voice is very important in this conversation. And they haven't thought about the question that just came up in your head. So then it became more of an exercise of being confident and and knowing when to speak up and and suggesting things, or if you see a problem to point it out. Um, I also think it's really important in your role to own your work, own your mistakes, you know, be able to openly talk about those things in teams and meeting settings. I think that's really important for your personal growth and your team's growth. Um, I really believe in speaking to people the way I would like to be spoken to, especially by managers. Um, So for me, that's just a conversation, you know, and it's just about let's understand what happened in this situation and tell me your thought process that you were going through. So if something went differently than we had expected, we could sort of think about what was, what was the ideal outcome and how can we get there next time? Um, but that's just practice. And I think that's really just sort of like leaning into uncomfortabilities with that, which is hard to do. We're taught not to do that a lot, but I think practicing it in small ways that you are comfortable with really sort of helps for those bigger conversations. And so I think, you know, giving yourself that like risky feeling of like, okay, you know, maybe this piece was not, I don't, I'm not really clear on, but normally I wouldn't ask about it. Try just, you know, just say like, can you just clarify that? Um, Little practices like that will sort of get you ready for like larger, larger issues and negotiations and things that we aren't often taught in school settings. Um, Those are things that have to be practiced sort of just in real life and on the job. So now that you are part of Glendale Library Arts and Culture family, how has it been so far and what is your main role? Well, my main role is overseeing the marketing for all of our branches and it's been wonderful. So this is a very interesting time for all of us, right? Like we are knocking on wood and crossing my fingers. We're hopefully coming out of COVID Um, but we don't really know. We don't really know what's ahead. And we've already sort of experienced this, this slide once, you know, this summer. So I feel that, and I feel that with our community. And I think we've seen that in the numbers for people who are coming back to the library. Um, but I embrace this. I think that this is the best time for me to be here because we are all starting over together collectively. And my question that I'm trying to figure out is, what is it that people want? What is it that people are looking for from the library and how can we bring that to them? What resources can we offer? How can we serve our community best? Um, And we had this weekend, we had our first in-person event with Paul Ignatius speaking at the library at Central Library on Saturday. And that was a great attendance and people were very enthusiastic and asking questions and happy to be back. So that sort of made my heart swell and thinking like, okay, like we, we want more programming. People want to engage more. 
And I think we're going to find ways to help them engage with the library that are both online, like the work that you have been doing, as well as coming back in person and figuring out, you know, what is it that's important to you right now? Um, the library sort of blows my mind with the amount of resources available that most people don't know about, right? I mean, if we just take Central Library alone, we have this amazing makerspace where you can learn how to sew, how to use a 3D printer, how to make really anything that your brain can come up with. There, That's the space where you can make it actually happen. We have a sound studio where if you want to learn how to do a podcast, you could take a two-hour class for free on LinkedIn Learning, which we offer with your library card, and then go straight to the sound studio and have an audio engineer sit with you right there and teach you how to use everything. And then you can use that sound studio again and book that to actually get your podcast out to the air. That's amazing. And that is all free for you with your library card. So, But these are things that I think a lot of people don't know. And so I'm just trying to learn like, what is it that you need? Because if you're looking for a job, if you want to learn how to write better, if you just want to read a book, or if you just want a quiet place to sit that's air conditioned, the library has it. So there's my message. And that's going to be the work that I do in getting that out into the community. So you'll probably see that in lots of places. That's awesome. And also, I'm sure that there are a lot of new trends that come up in the industry. So how do you keep up with industry trends? I think following a lot of different social media accounts has been important for me. Um, Instagram in particular has been really fascinating to me, watching that sort of explode and watching all, just the diversity of different people and the messages that they want to get across. Um, and it's just such an easy, quick visual snapshot that it's like, it's so digestible. So, I mean, that and then following, you know, industry websites and blogs, I read a lot. I love to read. And so I'm constantly sort of like just grabbing snippets from everywhere um, and just trying to get a sense of like what the word on the street is. I'm also like very connected in the community. As you can tell, I'm a talker. <laughs> I like to like have conversations <laughs> with people. So, you know, when I'm not at work, I'm around town and I'm exploring and I'm meeting people or I'm at the park with my kids and talking to other moms and finding out, you know, what are the things that they're doing? What are they interested in? What are, what are the experiences around the city that people are having? And um, so I sort of collectively put all that together to really sort of understand what's going on um, in our industry and beyond. What is something that you hope to accomplish during your time here as a program supervisor? Well, definitely getting people back, but also just sort of expanding the word about those offerings. I think if I could see somebody who had never stepped foot in the library and maybe only um, took out audiobooks or used, um, you know, some, some of our e-learning platforms to come in and use something or vice versa to see our card uh, users go up, that would be wonderful. I would just love to see more interaction. Um, I also sort of think about the library as like this, this hub again for like a collective whole of what Glendale is as a community. And so I think the more that people are interacting with the library, the more they're finding out what else is available to them in their community. And so I think that just sort of helps businesses, it helps parks, it helps all the things around us and it strengthens us as a whole.
so before we end, we have some rapid fire questions to ask. The first question is, what is your favorite color? Purple. When are you the happiest? Oh, probably when I pick up my kids at school. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your 18 year old self? To not be so critical of myself, uh, to just go with the flow and just, you know, practice a lot of self-love because everything you're doing mistakes and all, it all leads up to the path you need to be on. Um, what is a song that you have on repeat currently? Stevie Wonder's As. What do you want your legacy to be? Ah, she loved and lived life fully. What is your favorite movie? Goonies. What is a book that you have read recently or are currently reading that you would recommend? Oh, I loved Elizabeth Gilbert's uh, Big Magic. It's a book about creatives and, and the, the creative journey, but sort of just being open to the creativity around you and seeing where that leads. So very similar to what we were talking about today. Thank you so much, Meryl. We learned a lot about you. Can you let everyone at home know about any upcoming projects and where they connect with you? Absolutely. Well, you can find all the programs going on at all the branches of our libraries at eglendalelac.org. And that includes online and in-person events and programs that are coming up. So check that out and engage with your library. Awesome. Well, thank Thank you so much, Meryl. We really enjoyed connecting with you.